0: morning, my name is Derek, also one of the pastors here, and uh, grab your Bibles if you would. You know, just kind of a reminder for us of why do we do this whole church thing. Uh, we're, we're pretty ambitious that when we get together, we get together to worship God, to meet with God. That's why uh, every Sunday, we, all of those who are serving get together. We pray at 930, uh, asking God to be present, because if God's not here, we're just going through some weird religious motion, um, and that's not what we want, we want to do. We actually want to meet with God, uh, and we know in Scripture that when we gather, He gathers with us, and so we expect God to be here. We expect Him to show up, and we expect Him to even do some things in our hearts. Uh, maybe it's joy right? As we're singing those songs, maybe there's some conviction, whatever it is, uh, God probably has some next steps for us to take. So be ready for that. Just be open to what God might say to you uh, during the rest of this service. Let's pray. Father, we, we do love you. We gather um, because you're worthy. Uh, you designed us to be worshiping beings and you are the one and only place that that worship should be pointed and so we do we point our worship toward you we love you we thank you we are grateful for all that you've done for us and given to us Uh, and we do ask as as Paul just prayed um, that you would give us our next steps and we would say yes to you before we even know what they are uh, because we trust you and we believe you want to do great things in us and through us in your name amen well if you didn't know it's almost a new year right? It's winding down or winding up, whatever. How do you feel? I mean, that's, that's a weird question, but it's been weird lately, hasn't it? Maybe you've heard this phrase. I've heard it more lately. I think culture wars, right? There's been kind of these ups and downs in culture. There's the, the whole Roe versus Wade being overturned by Supreme Court and Christians all over celebrated. Yay, that's a victory, a win. And then there's these midterm elections and there's you know abortion went crazy, you know, not in a good way in those elections, and so, oh, now there's a big low, and it kind of seems like, like this, right, these culture wars, uh, and it does seem like there's often even a sense of, of battle, right, between Jesus' followers and the world, and, and maybe I'm the only one that senses that, but it's always been that way. There's always been kind of this confrontation with the world, and the truth is the world is dangerous we're in first john um, and that's where we're going to continue so grab your bible turn to first john um, if you don't have a bible there's one in the seat in front of you and it's page 1125 but in first john so far we've seen that the world is dangerous that we are going to have opposition from the world and so today we're going to see some hope Because I think a lot of times we look at what's happening and we get discouraged, right? Or we get angry or we get fearful or we see our kids or grandkids being seduced by the world, falling into evil um, or just ignorance, whatever it is, and we get discouraged. But today, I think we're going to see some hope. We're going to see the Apostle John writing to encourage God's people of how to have victory. Right? How can we have victory in this world where the world is coming against us? The world is trying to pull us astray. How can we win? So we're going to be in 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Let's read these. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah, amen. <laughs> we. we uh, maybe you're not aware when the Bible was written, you know, this was a a letter written from John. It wasn't written with chapter and verse. That was put in later for us so that we could say, hey, refer to chapter five, verse one. So those weren't in there. It was just a letter, like you would write a letter, kind of one idea. And John has a lot of things he just keeps repeating, right? And he keeps coming back to love, obedience, love, obedience. But now we see something new. The first time in this whole book, we see faith. And so here's the quick answer. How does the Christian win this battle, overcome the world? One word, faith. Faith, that's how we overcome the world. Now what is faith? And what is that victory also, right? So we think of victory, what does it mean? Does it mean that we are going to win in elections? Does it mean that we are going to win these culture wars? Here's the truth, I don't think so. I really don't. The trajectory of the way the world is going, I think it's gonna keep going that way. But we can win in the midst of it. We can have victory while the whole world continues to go the way it's going. So how do we do that? The word is faith. So what is faith? That's what we're going to talk about, faith. Well, look at verse 1. This is also repeated throughout 1 John. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Faith begins with a right belief about Jesus as the Christ. That's huge. That's huge. Right? Dave covered it last week. Last week was a great sermon. Faith begins with the right belief about Jesus as the Christ. Ben taught on this a few weeks ago. If you missed that one, look at that one. But who is Jesus? Right? Jesus is the Christ. We're celebrating that at Christmas. Right? The coming of the Christ. God promised to send this Messiah, this Christ, and he did in Jesus. And so true faith begins with the right belief about Jesus, that he was born to a virgin that he is deity, God in flesh, that he went to the cross, he actually died. He actually rose from the dead in a real body, not just a spiritual body, and he's coming back. Now, there's a lot more to faith and right belief, but there's not less than that. It begins right there with right belief. The problem is we stop there, right? A lot of times we stop with just this intellectual idea that Jesus is this. Well, guess what, the demons... They knew who Jesus was. The demons understand, and James writes in his book, that the demons also believe intellectually and shudder. They know the truth and they shudder. They're not saved. So what is faith? Well, our faith is not authentic until it moves from the mind into the heart. And our confidence is in Jesus as the Christ. So there's a switch from believing about Jesus to believing in Jesus. That's different. Do you believe in Jesus? in Jesus as the Christ, that's faith. Now, the word I like in that definition there is confidence. Faith is confidence, faith isn't just an idea. Faith is confidence in something, right? I, I mean, you all have heard the illustration, you're sitting in the chair, because you're confident it's gonna hold you, that's, that's faith. Faith is confidence in something, and our confidence is in Jesus as the Christ. Now, another question, who is going to experience this victory, right? We see here that we overcome the world through our faith, who? Here's the bad news, it's not everybody, right? It's not gonna end well for everybody on earth. It's only those who are sons or daughters of the king. Look back at verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And he keeps repeating that through these verses and he's already been repeating that before, that the person who believes that Jesus is Lord has surrendered to him, is born again. A new life, a new heart, right? Their heart of stone is taken out, a heart of flesh put in. They're given the Holy Spirit. They're born again as a son or daughter of the king. That's who has this victory, is a son or a daughter of the king. And the victory is ultimately eternal. I mean, that's the great victory, is Jesus is coming back. And when he comes, he's going to judge sin, and he's going to give rewards to the believers. And then we will receive our new bodies and enter the eternal kingdom. It's going to be great. That is the ultimate victory. And a lot of times I think we can endure here just looking at that, but there is a victory. And the victory I think he's talking about here is now. How can we have victory here and now? And what does that look like? Well, for the believer, the one who is born again, there's kind of three things we see here wrapped together, right? Obedience, love, and faith. And if you try and remove them, you're going to miss it. It all kind of goes together. Last week, Dave went through uh, the last chapter, and it was all about love, right? And he got very blunt. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. That love defines how can we be assured of our salvation. Uh, This was one of the notes I took last week, or he put it up, but this is what stuck out to me. There's two ways we can be assured that we belong to God. One, we love fellow believers, and two, we're not afraid of punishment. That one was kind of big. That one stuck out to me. Do we fear punishment? Do we fear what's going to come? Because love, true love with God casts out fear. We we know we won't be judged because Jesus already was judged on the cross. He took our payment. So we're free not to wallow in guilt and fear, but we're free to trust that God is going to take us to him without judgment in the end. So love, faith, and obedience. So here's your second note. True faith. Includes a love for God and a lifestyle of obedience to God. So you see, again, faith is not just an idea, faith is a verb. Faith is obedience. What is the goal? When we get together, why do we do sermons? Right? Preaching like this has been something that has been central to the church since the very beginning. Why do we do this? Why do we get together in groups? Why do we have youth groups? Why do we do all these things to try and learn more and build? one goal first 1 timothy 1:5 1, says the goal of our instruction is the love that comes from a pure heart a clear conscience and a sincere faith the goal is love you ever met a grumpy mean christian that doesn't really make sense right we should be growing in knowledge we want to learn but we should be growing in love which expresses itself again a verb with one another and these pass- this passage we're looking here seems to be kind of the application of what came before, right? Love one another, love one another. How? These verses show us how to love one another, because that is the ultimate goal. And even in First 1 Timothy 1:5, 1, where it says, "The goal is love, but it's love from a sincere faith. So again, we come back to that idea of faith. What is faith? Again, faith is confidence. Confidence in God. Have you ever met someone who said, you know, I tried the Christian thing and it didn't work for me, right? I did that, I went to church for a while, it just didn't, it wasn't my thing. And so now I'm gonna try this or this, you know, the person that jumps around. That's not real faith. And of course, Christianity isn't gonna work for you if you're just trying it out. Because faith, true faith is based on the truth that Jesus is the Christ. It's not just a self-help religion. It's actually true so that's why faith is based on the truth of Jesus being the Christ, and that's something you just try out. But here's something central to this whole idea of the victory. Victory is a different metric in Christ. So why does it not work for the person who says, you know, I tried out the Christian thing and it didn't work? Because they had the world's metrics and standards, and they placed that over Christianity. Or they took Christianity and said, I'm going to try that to fulfill my worldly desires. The truth is victory is totally different than how the world would define it. And the problem is we've mixed it together and that's why the church in general, in large part, has gone away from the truth because it's a different metric. It's not the same. The way, verse four, the way we have victory over the world is through faith in Jesus, not through conforming to the world's standards and expectations. Verse four, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Again, the world is dangerous. The world is out to get us. And I wish, you know, there's a lot in scripture that, that speaks to the whole, right? The church as a whole. This passage, he keeps repeating everyone. This is very individual. This is, this is you. This is me. This isn't the whole and this isn't everybody. Individuals, you can experience victory. And the warning is against, again, the world. If you flip one page over to 1 John two fifteen to 17, he gives us this warning. 1 John two fifteen 15. says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. True faith often does not produce worldly success. Look through history, look through scripture, even look at your own life. Does true faith produce worldly success? Often it does not. We have faith because the gospel is true, but not always pragmatic. Right? It doesn't always work in life for those reasons, but it's true, and we have the eternal goal, right? That's where it does come down to. The victory is eternal. Have you ever heard this? I just just believe. Blind faith, right? What is blind faith? Uh, I was speaking to a, uh, a lady who had been a Christian, basically her whole life. Um, she was older, this was many years ago, and I asked, "Why do you believe what you believe? I just do said, okay, but, but why? Why the gospel? Why Jesus Christ? Why the Bible instead of Islam? I just believe. I'm like, that's not very good. <laughs> I mean, why do we, a blind faith isn't just, just believe because I told you. There is really good reason to believe in scripture. There was a, a book I read, I think, in, in college or just out, uh, that talked about this idea. And the, the author was a Christian, um, and he was writing, there's such good reason to believe the Bible and that Jesus and all that. He says, if the evidence comes out that it's not, then wisdom would be we adjust, we go. But that's not going to happen because it is true, and there's plenty of evidence. Uh, we have a couple books out there: the Case for Faith, the Case for Christ, uh, the idea apologetics. Maybe you've heard of that. Apologetics is, is defending the faith. But again, it's not a blind faith. It's based on what's true. Even science. You know, the more science progresses, if it's looked at accurately. It confirms creation the way God did it. It confirms that God exists, all those things. And so faith is not so much believing despite evidence, but obeying despite consequences. How do you have victory? This is the big idea today, right there. How can we overcome the world? What is faith? Faith is not just this blind, right, right, just believing even though it doesn't seem like it's true. Faith is obeying, a verb, despite consequences, I told you at the beginning, I don't have a lot of confidence in the way the world is going. I don't think things are gonna go back to the way they were. I really think it's gonna continue this trajectory. I I think our our religious freedom is we're gonna lose it more and more and more. And so part of my job, I feel, as a parent and and even as a pastor is preparing the next generation. I don't know if it's gonna be in my lifetime or theirs, but there's gonna come a point where Christians are gonna really need to stand up. Are they gonna have the courage? Are we gonna have the courage? Because I believe that's where the world is going and guess what, I'm okay with it. Because the church does best under persecution. you realize that China, where it's illegal to be Christians, they have more Christians percentage-wise than we do in northern Nevada, if the numbers are right? It's illegal to be a Christian there, and there's more of them percentage-wise or about the same. That doesn't seem to make sense, but it does make sense. And so are we ready? Are we ready? I mean, this is kind of the the burden I've shared before that when you're preaching, God in general will give a burden for whatever the truth is there that he wants to share. This was the burden he put on me. Are we ready? Are we ready to be faithful despite consequences? Because that's what he's talking about right here. What is faith? Verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The faithful person lives a life of consistent, loving obedience to God's commands. Just look at the state of the church, you know, broad. I'm saying big, big C church. It has not gone well. A lot of churches and individuals have strayed away because the world comes against or The world says, oh, you should think this way. And so they change. They, they start reading Scripture differently or they throw it out and say it's not authoritative anymore. But we can have victory if we stay with the truth, the loving obedience. And again, our faith is not some Vague belief in whatever. Maybe you've heard that. I, I, <laughs> I remember talking to somebody and, and they were going to make a decision. I said, I, why are you really going to do that? I don't even remember what it was, but why are you going to do that? I just, I just believe. I, I just have faith in God. I'm like, but it's dumb. <laughs> like what you're doing is stupid. You, you think God is just going to be help you in your stupid decision? You know, I'm going to go buy a car that I can't afford, right? I do my budget, and it doesn't fit, you know, this $500 monthly payment, whatever, but I just trust God to provide. Well, that's stupid. (laughs) That's bad stewardship. That's not faith. Faith is in what God has said. That's what faith is. Faith is believing and obeying what he has said, what he has promised to do. Or the person who says, you know, I'm going to marry this non-believer, and I'm just going to have faith that God will help it work out. That's unfaithful disobedience. Right, God's not going to support that. He's not going to be behind that because you are disobeying what is clearly put out in Scripture. So our faith is in what God has said. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Again, it's not blind faith, but it's faith in what God has said, even things we cannot see, the Holy Spirit. We have faith that we, have the, we cannot see the Holy Spirit None of us have seen the risen Jesus, but we believe that. Not blind faith. There's good reason to believe it. We believe Jesus is returning. We we don't see that. Again, that's faith. It's trusting what he has said, and it's following him despite consequences. And in verse 3, we saw there that the faithful believer does not consider God's commands a burden. For me, that's a big deal too, right? Right? Maybe you, like me, when you were a kid, you obey because you're supposed to, right? Or you you read the Bible. I grew up in a Christian home and in the church, and it's like, I don't really want to obey some of this stuff. I really want to go that way. But as you grow in your love of God, you'll realize his commands are not burdensome. Why not? Because faith is confidence. We have confidence in God's goodness, right? And in his love for us, that his commands are what's best. They're not burdensome because we know they're best for his glory and for us. So it is a joy. Listen, it is a joy for the child of God to obey. The psalmist says it this way. Psalm 119.7 says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. Is that the way you feel when you read God's word? When you hear his commands? I want to learn them. I want to, or do you, I don't really want to learn anymore. I'd rather be ignorant so I can do the things that I want to do. No, it's a joy to get in and to learn and to go his way. So what does that look like in real life? Right? What does this victory look like? You're slandered. Somebody's talking about at work, it's at online, whatever. You want to get back, right? Well, God's word says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So we trust that. I don't have to get them back. I don't have to hop online and spew anything. I can trust that God sees. And if there's something he needs to do, he'll do it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Maybe you're struggling financially and you have an opportunity to cut some corners. Uh, You have an opportunity to, to get money illegally or unethically, whatever it is. Well, what does God's word say? Ephesians 4, 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So we're free to trust God to provide, work hard and give. There's freedom and that's a joy. Again, the world's ways are different. The world's victory is not our victory. Remember the uh, disciples in Acts, this was after Jesus died and rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. They were out preaching, they were arrested. They're, they're told, do not preach the name of Jesus anymore. And they're like, yeah, sorry. but <laughs> We're gonna obey God rather than you. So they beat them and they set them loose and they leave rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. You see, our measures are different. That was success. Getting beaten for Christ was success. That's different. That was victory. Victory wasn't winning over the world, but victory was remaining faithful in the midst of the world. I spoke to a young person recently who, who had the experience, maybe some of us had, of uh, you know, being called a Jesus freak. Oh, you're just one of those Jesus freaks, and, and you know, friends coming against, oh, everything. You, you actually believe in Jesus, and all oh, you talk about it, blah, you know, and it's like, oh, that, that hurts, But for me, when I heard it, I'm like, high five. That's victory. Yeah, the world is going to come against you if you're actually going to look like a Christian. Victory, you're doing it right. We can expect that. It doesn't feel like victory, but that's victory. Again, faith is not so much believing despite evidence, but obeying despite consequences. Obeying despite consequences. Do you trust Jesus enough to obey no matter what happens. Will you obey and get fired? That's happening right now. I think it's going to get worse. Will you choose God and obey and get fired? Will you choose to obey what he says sexually in Scripture and remain single and trust God's enough and he'll provide? That's faith. As we look here in these verses, he begins and he ends with the same idea. Verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And then, verse five, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? It boils down to that one idea. We believe in Jesus. We believe not just about Jesus, we believe in Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah, He is the Son of God. He did come, He did die. Forgiveness is completely available to anybody in Him. We will not be judged and he's returning, and it's gonna be great. That's where our faith is. And we can experience that victory every day. Again, culture wars, I don't think we're gonna win, but we can win. We can be victorious as we're obedient despite the consequences because we love Jesus. Again, you look at here, it's all wrapped together. Love, obedience, faith. And this seems to be the application here of what was coming before, love one another. How do you love one another? you obey Jesus' commands. That, that's weird a little bit. So ha, how's the proof that I know I love you, a fellow child, I obey God? But if you look at American Christianity, a lot of times that's not what happens, right? Uh, maybe somebody has a, a family member who decides to go a different way apart from God and they're like, ooh, uh, I'm just gonna change. I'm gonna adjust what I believe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna abandon this so that I can affirm whatever they're going through. No, love is in line with truth as well. And so we love one another by remaining obedient to God's word. What does that mean? We have to know God's word. That's why on Sundays, when we get together, we primarily dig into scripture. When we get in groups, we discuss how to apply scripture and what it says because this is where we find all those answers. Now, we've been talking a lot throughout 1 John about love. And so here's one last question. How do you know you love God? Right? I mean, we see here we love by loving one another and by obeying. Do you ever not feel that love? Or maybe you're newer to the faith. You're like, man, that all sounds good. Like, I want to trust him despite constant, but but I don't. I really care a lot what other people think about me. I I want that love, but I don't have that love. How is love formed? Slowly. Slowly. I mean, let's be honest, the whole love at first sight thing, although that happened with Callie and me, but um, I mean, her looking at me. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's rare. Actually, no, that's not the case. Um, the, the whole love at first sight doesn't normally happen. How does love form? It normally begins with a friendship. You know, I know for Callie and I, that's, we were friends. We loved hanging out, you know, talking, with, and then love formed. So if you don't feel that love for God, where do you start? Let me encourage you, start with a friendship with Jesus. Start there, right? A lot of times we read scripture and we're like, oh, I want to arrive, I want to be there. But love, I think we can call this maturing love, right? It's a journey, not a destination. And so we're, we're hopefully always growing, but how do we grow? You know, we look at this, we're like, oh, I'm not there yet. Guess what? None of us are. And that's okay. How do we move forward in this maturing love? Build a friendship with Jesus. How do you build any friendship? Time, right? Time together, communication. That includes scripture, Prayer, getting together with God's people like we're doing here, getting together in groups, that's how it's formed. You know, I think maybe you are like me and sometimes in your life you're like, I don't really feel the way I want to feel, but I know what's true. And I feel like that man who uh, was speaking to Jesus said, I I believe, help my unbelief, right? I want to love God more. I, I want, you know, I want to want it, even in those times where I don't feel like I want it. Where does it start? Build a friendship. Spend time in God's word time with God's people and time in prayer because our faith is in Jesus, the Son of God and our loving Savior because that's true. Again, our faith is based on something that's true and God is good enough. God loves us and we can trust him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, I do thank you for this passage. God, I, I thank you for your description of faith. God, that faith is is a verb. Faith means we trust you. Uh, It means we're confident that what you say is true and that you'll do all the things that you promised. And we we believe that. Jesus, we believe you're gonna come back. We believe that there will be rewards, although we don't know exactly what those will be. We believe that you will go through this life with us. And as things get rough and there will be real consequences for our faith, that we can trust you will go through those with us. You will provide. You will comfort, you will encourage. God, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anger or worry or anxiety, but we can trust you because you are trustworthy. God, we love you. We ask you to continue as we move into communion, move into to more worship, stir our hearts of gratefulness to you. Take away our fears and replace them with confidence. In your name, amen. We're going to move to our response time.